Welcome to The Moon in Your Mind with your hosts, Chelsea Winter and Alyssa Ray. We are on a mission to build a community of empowered individuals to stay curious in their work, their relationships, and daily lives. By interviewing experts in uniting astrology and psychology, we will hold the space to connect you to new wisdom, unique stories, and insightful resources for you to cultivate your best human experience. Let's get curious. Hi, everyone. We are so excited to be sitting down with one of the founders of Access Money today. Welcome, Brooke. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Brooke is a licensed psychotherapist and graduate of the Psychedelic Assisted Therapies and Research Program at the California Institute of Integral Studies. She has worked for a psilocybin retreat company, assisted a shaman during ayahuasca ceremonies, and has years of experience working with individuals, couples, and groups. Brooke is committed to helping others access their inherent worth, power, and beauty so they may heal and open more fully to love. Brooke, we are so, so honored to have you on today. And I want to just start with your sun, moon, and rising signs. So if you want to introduce yourself, if there's anything I missed in your intro, (laughs) uh, feel free to share it. And yeah, your sun, moon, and rising. Okay. Yeah. You didn't miss anything. Thank you so much to both of you for having me. It's such an honor. My sun is Libra, my moon is Sagittarius, and my rising is Scorpio. Awesome. So definitely air and fire then. Yeah. Do you feel that? <laughs> oh my goodness. My whole chart pretty much is very airy and fiery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then how about, you know, Scorpio? So you have your Libra and Sagittarius. So, you know, you're interested in relationships interested in probably information, learning new things, religion, other modalities for healing. And then you have Scorpio too. So, and that's a water sign. So how do they all come together for you? That's true, right? Scorpio is water. So I was forgetting that. Um, They all come together. Well, I feel like the Scorpio, I'm really interested in psychology and like going into the depths and healing and things like this. But yeah, Sagittarius, I feel like is really connected to the plants, perhaps, like psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I think like just my personality overall is very airy and fiery and pretty scorpionic, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like that word, scorpionic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I feel like having the Libra, like that's where other people come into it then too. So it's like you take all the interests of the Sagittarius and then the Scorpio being able to go deep. And then it's like, all right, let me actually just do it with other people now too. And let me work with other people. Yes. I have a lot of Libra. I'm a Libra, Sun, Mercury, Venus, and South Node. There's a ton of that going on. Um, So yeah, relationships are a huge part of my own evolution. And I feel like the Scorpio rising mixed with all the Libra helps me like evolve a lot through relationship, Um, whether I'm Mm -hmm. like friends, family, loved ones, working with people, clients, all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And I feel like, yeah, having the Scorpio just allows you, I'm sure, to hold so much space for other people and learn so much from other people. Uh, which is so important. Sometimes Libra, I've seen this doing readings, like people are so interested in relationships, but not always like very good at them or not knowing how to work with other people. And so the Scorpio, I feel like gives you that ability to then like just make it deep and not just have these superficial relationships. Oh yeah. That's so interesting. That (laughs) makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, no, that's awesome. So I guess, you know, then we want to dive into your background. So, you know, tell us about your childhood, high school, college, how you got into this work. Tell us oh all my. about it. Okay. We want to hear it all. You're at your parents' house right now. So. Right. Perfect. So I would say, let's see where to begin. I was a really happy child, really funny, happy, outgoing. And then when I hit middle school, I started to get really socially anxious. And that started in sixth grade and it just went on from there. The anxiety just grew and grew. So much social anxiety. All my Libra planets are in the 11th house, which I've heard can be like uh, like that's where paranoia can be, right? In any sign that it's in. And so my paranoia was very relationally focused. And so my parents, I love them, but they were extremely strict, critical, controlling. And so, yeah, I just felt really unsure of myself around people. I wanted to say the right thing, do the right thing so that they would like me. Didn't want to rock any boats. I didn't know how to speak up or use my voice. So, so many challenges around relationship and setting boundaries and all things like that. And then as I got older, all of the things that I was not addressing by not speaking up or not feeling my feelings also, that was a big thing that was not happening. Um, it, it eventually turned into an eating disorder. So I developed bulimia and it was really just my way to stay sane and just make it through each day. It was a way to manage my feelings, control my feelings, keep them down, keep anything I wanted to say down. Um, and so the bulimia really served as a, a coping mechanism just to survive at that time because I didn't know any other skills. I had very little so social skills, emotional skills. I was just, I say that I was a very good actress because if you met me, you may have thought, oh, Brooke's fine. She's like really bubbly, but I was very nervous inside and, and none of those feelings were being processed, felt. I had no support with them. And so eventually the food and the binging and purging just helped me to get by, but I was not thriving at all, just surviving. So the eating disorder started in my freshman year of college, and it lasted for about 10 plus years, give or take. And I first started experimenting with psychedelics at 16. And so the first time I ever took a psychedelic was psilocybin. And I like to say that the mushrooms gave me a very warm welcome. I just laughed and <laughs> laughed with my friend for four hours. It was so fun. And then at the end of the night, I, I started to have some realizations about my family and things that I had never noticed before or felt before. And so, you know, that was 16. And I really continued to experiment with the medicine for about 10 years. However, it was always very recreational with friends at concerts, things like that. Mm -hmm. I really didn't know anything about intentional medicine work, but I did notice that when I would use these medicines recreationally, I would experience short-term benefit. So nothing long-term was happening, but you know, a few days after I would maybe feel less anxious or more motivated to make necessary changes in my life. But then it, you know, very soon after all the symptoms, the anxiety, the bulimia, all the things would come right back. And so 
I began to go to school to become a therapist and I was on my way to, to getting licensed, but I was really sick. I, I was living this double life of out in the world, looking like everything was going great, but behind closed doors, the eating disorder had taken over my life. My life was super small, like just so, so small. And um, I started to feel really strongly called to working with ayahuasca. I didn't know where to go about it, but I had had a friend who had just gotten back from Peru and he worked with ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like this deep, deep calling inside of me. Like, I, I have to do that. I, I have to do it. And so a little after that, I was with the same friend and we took some mushrooms and it was like my first experience of sort of intentional work. It was like the first time I dipped my toe into intentional work with medicine. And I, I was like more present with myself and the experience that I was having that night. And I kept hearing the medicine tell me like so clearly, it felt like the medicine was speaking to me. I kept hearing you have to heal yourself before you help others heal and you have to go work Mm. with ayahuasca. And it was so, so clear, this message all night long, I was hearing it. And so I like to say, when the medicine tells you to do something, you do it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so my friend and I were, were, we were at a festival this, this weekend with the medicine. And the next day, after I had this experience with the mushrooms, the next day, this girl we met invited me into her ayahuasca circle. So it was like, I had never wow. known where to do this. And the next day I was invited into a circle. That's and incredible. so that's, yeah, it's amazing. You know, this stuff is magic. And so that summer I sat with ayahuasca four times and uh, four times in two months. And after the fourth ceremony, I told my whole family that I had an eating disorder. It was a big secret. No one knew. And remember, it had been going on for over 10 years. No one knew. Okay. So after two months of intentional medicine work, I told everyone. And then I checked myself into treatment like immediately. And so the healing was so drastic and so quick. And it's not that the medicine did any of the work for me because I I had to work really hard every single day for many years to really get into a good recovery. But without the medicine work, I don't believe I ever, ever would have gotten myself the help I needed. I was in severe denial around everything that was going on for me. I had so much fear, so much shame. And so I would have, you know, I, I just would not have said anything, but mm-hmm. as soon as I started to work with the medicine, I was able to walk through all of that shame, fear, and denial and get myself the help I needed to really start living in integrity and, and in a healthy way. So that's, that's like a whole oh summary. <laughs> wow. <Mic drop>. Yeah. <laughs> That's wow. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that. I know that's a personal story and, and we just appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing your story with us. And I can tell it inspires so many people and you're right. Like the, the medicine is so magical and just a series of events that happened for you. I'm so happy that they did happen in that way. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And, and it's amazing because as soon as I got into recovery, my life has blossomed in huge ways. You know, this was like eight years ago. My life is so much bigger now. 
um, you know, thrive. I'm not, I'm, I'm not just surviving. Like I'm really thriving now. And, um, it's all because of this work. It's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. So I want to hear more because I know that you, you know, practice under a shaman, I, I believe, and kind of have worked with the medicine and other ways as well. So, you know, you were in treatment for a little bit and then did it happen right after that or kind of how did the story unfold from there? Yeah. So when I got back from treatment, I continued to work with medicine and ceremony only when I feel called. I only ever go when I feel called. Um, but I continued to work with the medicine and eventually I got licensed as a therapist and I had my own practice, just, you know, talk therapy. And whenever I was sitting with my clients, I would wish that I could bring this work up with them, but it really wasn't kosher to do that in the <laughs> setting I was in. And so I was like, okay, I, this work has helped me so tremendously. How can I support other people in this work? Where do I go? What do I do? And so I went online and I found a psychedelic assisted therapy program at CIS in California in San Francisco. And I didn't know anything about it. It was only the second year that the training ever existed, but I applied and they told me in my interview, you're probably not going to get in because you're not a doctor, but you can try again next year. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm not getting in. And the next day I got into the program. Oh my so, goodness. Yeah. Oh my I God. Know. Why did they even need to tell you I that? Know, I Just- know. <laughs> so it was such a surprise. I got in and I, I got this certification. It was like a nine month program. And it's just, I, I tell that story because everything with medicine work with me has always kind of just flowed and life has not felt that way a lot for me, but that's like the one area where it's just flowed. And so after I went to that program, I reached out to a psilocybin retreat company in Jamaica and they said I could come work with them. So I started getting experience with them. And um, it was really amazing to have hands-on experience sitting with people in groups. It was just such a good experience. And so after that is when I started assisting a shaman as well with ayahuasca. So I'm not, you know, I'm not a shaman at all, but I've just, I assisted him a bit and got some good experience there. Um, And I'm just so grateful for these experiences. Uh, They've been so supportive on my own path. That's incredible. I just love what you were saying, like of how it's magic and how it flows, because it really is like when you first started, you know, going to school to be a therapist, however many years ago, like, did you ever imagine this is where it was going to take you, you know, and like, so it's just amazing to see. And now you get to use it. And like, you're helping so many other people in this area that I think, at least in my experience, seems very not talked about, a little bit hard to find. And so I just think you're doing such like an amazing job of bringing it to people. Um, And I think it's so interesting to like hear that journey and how you got here. Thank you so much. Yeah, this work, you know, it's starting to become more popular, but there's still so much stigma around it. And I say that it should be illegal to make this work not available to people just because it can be so deeply supportive. And, you know, again, it's not a cure at all, but this work is a super powerful tool on our path. And whoever is feeling called to it, as long as it's safe for them, they should be able to access it in a safe way. So 
Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I'm a marriage and family therapist too. So before you have gone, Chelsea and I were chatting about how, you know, it is, you know, and I just graduated in May, so I'm still kind of a baby in the field in that sense. Congratulations. Thank you. But yeah, I think, you know, I, my belief and my vibe from kind of other therapists is that they want to talk about this and they want to support it, but the ethics boards and the licensure boards and insurance companies and all of that is what kind of holds people back. And those are all Mm. systems that we can go on a whole hours long (laughs) rampage about, obviously. But yeah, I mean, no, your experience as being both an LMFT as well as doing this work too, what does that look like for you today? And, you know, what are your conversations with others in the field look like based on where we're at? Because it is getting more traction and it is becoming more popular, but I think there still is that stigma around it. Yeah. When I applied to the program in San Francisco, I was working at a counseling center and I asked my supervisor to write a letter of recommendation for me for the program. And she was like, oh, I don't think that I can do that. And so she asked the clinical director, is it okay for me to write this letter? And the clinical director was like, absolutely not. And so the clinical director and my supervisor were, I remember my supervisor coming up to me one day and being like, why do you want to do this? And it felt like very, I felt like she was really judging me. Um, so they didn't end up writing me a letter, but I still got into the program, right? It's like, you can't run from your destiny. Mm-hmm. And the, the counseling center I was working at also had a drug and alcohol like center attached to it. And I remember thinking it's such a shame because so many of the clients there could benefit from this work. And the people running this thing are just like not recognizing like the the massive value in in these medicines and the work. So that was 2017. I'd I'm curious, you know, what, what they would have to say now. But I I still know a lot of therapists who are not accepting of this work and don't understand it and I would say that is only because they've never worked with the medicine or if they have it's never been intentional or it's never been done in a safe and proper way as soon as someone has an experience like that they're like oh my goodness you know i get it now so i think there's still a lot of people in the field who are uneducated about it or like you're saying like there's some taboo around it so maybe they're nervous to speak openly about it and then on the other end, like there's also so many therapists who are now becoming more accepting of it and wanting to get trained in psychedelic work. So I think, you know, it's all moving in a good direction. It's probably just going to take so much time because some people have deeply rooted beliefs about this work that come just from like not knowing or not understanding really what it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a question for you too. What would you say to those therapists who don't understand it? Like, how would you sell this for my own kind of like connections with people? Cause I would love, I mean, you have so much profound experience and knowledge on this and I'm just beginning. So, you know, I, I believe in this work and I believe in the work that you've been doing. And I just wonder, you know, how can I kind of go out and spread that mission too? And other people listening that are therapists or practitioners? Yeah. <sighs> I have a lot of people in my own life who, or not a lot, but I have some people in my life who don't approve of this work and, and I just let it be, you know, I try not to convince them, but I do share with truth and integrity and honesty, how it supported me and how it supported all of the people I work with, you know, so like I try not to convince anyone, but I will share if they ask 
my my truth and what I've seen, and they can choose to do with that what they wish. Hopefully, it plants a seed. Hopefully, they see it's not like they're you know like the stories in their mind says it is. It's sort of like you know in twelve step they say attraction, not promotion. It's like we we don't like we can maybe change people's minds, but if we just live our truth and do our work and speak what is true for us, like maybe they'll feel called to come over to where we are eventually. Does that help? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I I love that too, because I think a lot of the work that, you know, my program for grad school did was self of the therapist. And like, you have to go to therapy and you need to know the work that you're going to be serving other people. So I love that that's the approach you take is like sharing your truth and being that example and not necessarily pushing it on people, but just being that living example of, you know, attraction, not promotion, like you said. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. I, I really have these medicines. I have them to thank for my life that I live now. And so I will never, ever, ever say anything bad about them. And it's so funny because with all the Libra codependency stuff that I've, you know, is such a part of my hero's journey. It's like, I used to be so nervous to to have a differing opinion than someone or to to speak up for myself with others. But like the one thing I would always stand firm in my truth about was the the plants and the, the medicine. And so it's like, if someone has a judgmental opinion, which you see so much in this, the, you know, the therapy field or online, I just let, let them say it. Like, I just know it's not true for so many of us. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. I so appreciate that. And I, I want to bring up another point that you continue to use the word intentionally and intentional use, right? And I, I love that. So kind of what does that mean for you? And how is that different than, you know, going to a festival and just doing it recreationally? Yeah, yeah. So recreational use is how so many of us began exploring and experimenting. And so recreational use, I would say it's the intention is just to have fun you know, to be social, to be with friends, to go out to an an event and just have a good time, have a new experience. You have the experience and then you go back to your life after that. And, you know, as long as it's safe, there's nothing wrong with it. But that's not where I would say where long-term healing and, and evolution really occurs. And so with intentional work, the intention is to really work on healing or evolution in some way, healing and growth. And so typically it involves arriving at the, the medicine, the work with an intention. Um, and then when you are sitting with the medicine, not really, you're not going out and being social and distracting in any way, but instead you're sitting quietly so that you can really be present with yourself and anything that is arising in your medicine work, even if it's challenging, even if it's uncomfortable, just being present with it, knowing that everything that arises with intentional work is here to help us. And so you have the experience with the medicine, and then after taking time to integrate. Integration is just as important as the medicine experience itself, whether you're microdosing or having a full dose journey. And so in integration, we're really reflecting on, okay, like, how is this, how is this trying to help me grow? How is this trying to help me heal? 
how, like what, you know, sometimes medicine work can be really confusing. Like for a full dose journey, it could be like, what was that? How, what, how is that supposed to help me? And so integration is like making this conscious space to really process the experience, reflect on the main messages, any discomfort or challenges that arose, and then working to implement the wisdom of the experience into your daily life to really help you you know, live the best life that you can and live a life that's in alignment with who you really are. So, you know, some people, when I say this, get kind of angry with me or triggered or frustrated. And they're like, if there's, you know, recreational use, there's nothing wrong with it. And I want to be clear, like there's not, as long as you're being safe, that's like a big, you know, very important. But within, with recreational work, it's typically just to have fun. And typically we're being social and there are pressures to like act according to social norms or act in a certain way. And with intentional work, you know, we're just present with our experience and we're not trying to distract from anything that is arising with the medicine because that's what the the purpose of these medicines is. It's like to bring up all the psychic content and material up from the depths of us so that we can be present with it and look it in the face and and heal. So intentional work you're just really being present with anything that's arising yeah amazing you know with all of that I think that all makes sense and I guess my question would be then you know what's really the difference or is there different experiences using intentional work if you're microdosing versus a macro dose or a full dose and then you know in between you know what does that really look like yeah so you're saying like what's the difference between intentional work with different doses? Yeah. So yeah, it's a great point, right? We can work intentionally with microdosing, mesodosing, which is like a low dose journey, and full dose medicine journey. So with intentional microdosing, you know, we we say that we teach intentional microdosing because as microdosing gets really popular right now, some people are just thinking like, oh, I take the microdose. And I just like go about my day and I'm going to feel better and like my symptoms will go away. And that's so not what it is. Sometimes when we're microdosing intentionally, we we have to be present with discomfort or be, you know, present with the fact that we've not been speaking up. We've not been setting boundaries. We need to feel feelings that we've been pushing away. We need to make different choices that are healthier for us. So when it's intentional, we are setting an intention every, every time we take the medicine we're arriving at the work with respect, you know, gratitude for the medicine. And we are moving through the day while we're microdosing, knowing that every single thing that arises is here to help us. Even if we have a fight with someone, even if we feel so sad that day, we know that it's here to help us. So we encourage you to really be present with what's arising instead of instead of taking the medicine just to like make you feel better. It's like, well, let's see why you're feeling bad in the first place and, and and get to the root of this. That being said, microdosing can absolutely make you feel joyful and happy and, you know, childlike or wanting to dance. Like that can all be there too. But I like to be clear that when you're really microdosing to heal, sometimes things can come up that we have to be present with that may not be super fun, but it's leading you to the greater peace and, and joy in the future. With microdosing, you know, we encourage you to integrate. So that can look like just reflecting on your day at night, 
We have, you know, in our course, Microdose, there are some questions you can reflect on at night while you're brushing your teeth. Like it doesn't have to be a big thing. And then after each month on your protocol, we offer you journal questions to write on and reflect on to really support you in processing and integrating all the work that you've done over the last month. So that's microdosing. And then mesodosing and macrodosing are more similar. So because both of those experiences happen in one day, you're working with the medicine once, it's not like a continuous thing like microdosing. Mm -hmm. And so intentional work for a, a journey looks like the same thing, like arriving at the work with intention, having an intention, respect, gratitude, like really honoring the experience and the sacredness of it, and then having your experience. So the setting may be a bit different for each person, but typically you're lying down on a bed or couch, you're super cozy, you have blankets and pillows, and you know, we offer you playlists and things like this for, for these experiences. Um, and you have the music on and you just lay and you breathe. Maybe you close your eyes and you just let the medicine and the music carry you exactly where you're meant to be, you know? And when you're working with sacred earth medicines, you're working with a consciousness, like the consciousness of the plant. And these medicines know where to take you. They work with your soul, you know? So they work alongside your soul and they know where to take you. Even if it seems like the experience had nothing to do with your intention, like it's always exactly what you need. So you, you, you sit there for however many hours, you know, you can get up, take breaks, maybe go to the bathroom, you stretch, but then you come back. You try to be present with yourself as much as possible so that you can do deep work. And then when you're done, we tell you to go relax, watch a movie, take a bath, go for a walk, like take it easy, eat some good food. And then the next day, start journaling, start writing about your experience. What were the main messages? You know, try to begin processing and, and being present with your experience so that you can make sense of how it's attempting to support you. And integration takes time. It takes so much time. Like it's a gradual process. There's no rush to get it done all in one day. You know, just for an example, if in your journey, you, you realize like you need to set more boundaries, right? I feel like I've brought that up a few times. So that's going, that's like a, a lifelong practice, you know? And it's not just gonna, you're not just gonna set one boundary and be done with integration going to come up a lot after your medicine journey and maybe sometimes you won't do it well and then you'll realize okay next time I got to do it you know more in alignment with my truth and so integration takes time but that's like a general summary I feel like I just talked a lot so if that didn't make sense feel free to let me know <laughs> no, it made perfect sense. And mm -hmm. I feel like I love how you said that it's going to look different for everybody. And like you might still have bad days. I feel like so I might we both microdose Alyssa and I, but I know for myself, like the way I kind of describe it is it allows me to like wake up in the morning or to start my day, not in like the negative mm. almost like so I'm waking up or I'm taking the medicine in the morning, just saying like the day can go wherever it's going to go, but at least I'm not bringing the negative energy to it. And there have definitely been bad days. Like you said, it's definitely not just going to be like, oh, you're all happy and smiles now. But I also feel like it's getting rid of the gunk of my own anxieties, my own preconceptions of the day, and just allowing me to be a little bit more present in it. 
is how like I've really seen it for myself work. But I love that you say it's not always going to be like just a good day because it, it won't be. And I think that can scare people away if they think it's going to be all happy all the time and then it's not. It can deter people. Yeah, right. I, I like to manage people's expectations. This work can be a huge support in your life, but it may look different than you think it it will. But I love how you said that. Like, yeah, the medicine is so supportive at helping us like get beyond. Mike has a teacher who calls it the human disease. It's just like all the like the gunk and the mud and like the stuff from our mind. It's like it just helps you get rid of the human disease, come back to truth, come back to presence, come back to love. So yeah, I love how you said that. I love that too. I wonder too, I think I'm still a little bit fuzzy on mesodosing, is it called, right? So what what is that specifically? Is it just like a smaller dose for one day? Yeah, this is a word that Mike just made up. So don't don't worry. Oh, You're that's like, what amazing. Is that? I didn't realize yeah. that. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a mesodose, yeah, it's a it's a low dose medicine journey. So some people have been microdosing and they're wanting to go a bit deeper, maybe, but they're not feeling ready for a full dose journey. And so mm. a mesodose is like, okay, maybe you take you take more than a microdose, so you're feeling the medicine. And you're not going to work that day. You're not driving. You're just home, you know, so you can be present with yourself and you're feeling the effects of the medicine. You're, you're in the medicine space more, but it's not so, so strong where it feels like a full dose journey. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that definitely does. Thank you for clarifying that. I didn't realize that he made it up. That's amazing. He needs to trademark that. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's great because I know, you know, for some of my friends or whoever in my life that I've talked to about this, they've always been scared to macrodose or to, you know, take medicine and, and a larger dose. But they also are like, I'm not going to be consistent with microdosing and what do I do then? So I feel like something like that could be so beneficial. And even for people who have tried microdosing and macrodosing, you know, at different points in our life, we might need that too. Yes, absolutely. There's, you know, so that's three different ways to work with the medicine. And you can always work with the medicine in the way that is calling to you most at that moment in time. And that's going to change. And that's okay. You know, just honor whatever you're being called to do. And so, you know, for the most part, we're talking about like mushrooms and psychocybin, but does that like, tell us the difference because you worked with both that and ayahuasca. So I'm wondering, you know, in your personal experience and in supporting others going through those journeys, do they look similar? Is there a difference between that? Yeah. So I would say the main difference with ayahuasca is that you're working with a shaman. And so, you know, with psilocybin, you can, if you're having a full dose journey, you can be in a setting with like a a therapist or someone who's gotten trained in sitting work. But with ayahuasca, it's a shaman who's learned what are called ikaros, which are these medicine songs that, again, it's like magic. I feel like I'm talking about like Alice in Wonderland, but the the songs they sing (laughs) turn the music, uh, turn the medicine on. And the the ikaros, if you've ever seen like Shipibo, like Peruvian artwork. It has lots of like lines in it. And it's amazing because these lines are actually the Ikaro, the song, but like written down, like drawn out. And when the shaman is singing the Ikaro to, to each person, 
they'll know, like, like the ikro is there to bring healing to the person and each song holds different properties, different, you know, maybe one is for protection, maybe one is for, you know, calling in certain guides. And the shaman will know that the ikro has done its work and the healing is complete when they see all the lines of it on the person's body. And so it's like, it's amazing, amazing. And people train to be ayahuasca shamans their whole life, like since they're a child. And so it's something that takes years and years of, of study. And so, yeah, that's, that's like a whole other thing. But it's, a, it's such a beautiful experience. It can be challenging, can be challenging, but sometimes that's exactly what we need. But it's always like cleaning us off, right? And clearing us out to bring us to greater love. And so even if it's hard in there at all, you're always going to like find so much love after as long as you're in a safe space with the right shaman and you have integration support after. So yeah, ayahuasca, usually you're sitting, maybe you're sitting like in a circle, it's dark, there's no talking, there's no moving around. So you're you're sitting on the floor, you have like a yoga mat, you have a bucket because you may purge. And so it's 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 intense, you know? Like I would say only do this if you're feeling called to it. Not everyone is wanting mm-hmm. to like sit in the dark and not be able to talk and not, you know, it's it's like a bit more strict. I don't know if that's the right word. And then with psilocybin, there's so many different settings you can do it in. So it's hard to say exactly what it will look like. There are ceremonies with shamans who also work with mushrooms, but it can also be more of a therapeutic setting um, where someone is, you know, just there by your side guiding you through the journey. And so if you need anything or if you want to share anything with them or process or they're right there and you can speak with them, they can hold your hand. So there's so many different settings for psilocybin. That's incredible. Yeah. And is that work that you do now? Like, do you hold sessions or if somebody wanted to microdose psilocybin, is that something like they could come? Do you have a place to do that? Do you hold sessions like that? Or no, You. Do, I know you have all your online courses, but is that something you also do like in-person work? Yeah. So for years, my partner, Mike, and I held space for, for people in that way, individuals, couples, and gr- small groups. We haven't really been doing it lately. We're in the process of moving. And so we're like all over the place. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's we've been thinking about maybe holding retreats in the future and things like that. We're not totally sure, but um, we love sitting work and we would love to help teach people how to be sitters. So we've been speaking about maybe doing a, a sitter training that would have like an in-person element where everyone, everyone can get hands-on experience. So yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it will look like in the future, but we're speaking about it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the first step. Yeah. And that's awesome. I mean, I feel like there's so many people that are, like I said earlier, like there's just not a lot of information, I feel like, about where to get mushrooms, or, like psilocybin, where to learn about it. And, you know, Alyssa, you can probably speak more. You two can have this conversation, not me, but like as a therapist, how, yeah, how do you sit with it? You know, you go tell a patient, like, oh, maybe psilocybin would be good. And then it's just kind of like, oh, okay, I'm just going to like back off now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's where like my next question is too, is how, you know, as, as a marriage and family therapist, you offer just talk there. I don't want to say just talk therapy, but just talk therapy right now. Or do you focus more on the integration between the two or you focus more on the medicine work kind of where does that all combine for you? 
Yeah. So I worked one-on-one for like 11 years with people and I, I just recently stopped doing it. I realized that I work better in groups. I have a lot of planets in the 11th house. So I think just, yeah, like group work feels more comfortable for me. And so Michael loves working one-on-one and groups. So he's been taking now all of the one-on-one sessions. And so I focus mostly on creating courses, now creating trainings and doing any like group type of work. Talk therapy, you know, I know some people like on Instagram say things about it. Talk therapy has helped me so deeply. I've been in therapy for a gazillion years and it's such an important resource of support in my life. And I've, you know, I've I've switched therapists throughout the years as I've evolved and I just find it to be so important to have a safe space to process and, you know, grow in. And it doesn't have to be therapy. It could be any, anywhere, anyone who feels safe to you. But yeah, so I, you know, one-on-one work is amazing, but I, I just feel more comfortable in, in group work. I love that. So what kind of group work do you offer right now? Or are you not, you, you said you guys are moving, so it might not be right now, but in more well, recent years and months. Yeah. All of our work is online right now. So it's super easy. We can do it anywhere. So we have a a group offering called Microdose Together, which is a month-long group container where everyone in the group is going through a microdosing practice at the same time. And then we meet twice a week. So, you know, whatever's coming up for you, you can process it in a safe space, integrate, Mm -hmm. and then you can connect with other people. And then we also are about to begin our microdosing practitioner training, which I'm so excited about. And yeah. Um, yeah. So that's group two. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Chelsea and I are also very excited yeah. for that training I, too. Yeah. <laughs> it will be such an honor to have you both in there. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about that and how, obviously you guys have been doing this for a while, so I'm sure that's how it came to be, but, you know, share with us what that kind of will look like and, you know, what, what type of person may feel called to that yeah. training. Yeah. People have been asking me if we've held trainings for a few years now, and I always say no. And then finally one person asked and I was like, okay, I get it. Universe, like let's hold a training. (laughs) And as soon as I started making it, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'm really excited about this. So I would say, so first of all, you do not have to be a therapist. People have asked us, do I have to be a therapist? I say, no, because I know plenty of therapists who I would not say this is a good fit for. You know, (laughs) A degree and a license does not mean you're the right fit. So Mm -mm. it's more about like, first of all, have you worked with the medicine with intention? That's so important. I would say anything medicine related, like you've got to work with it yourself to really be able to help other people. And then do you have experience holding space for other people? Just because this is not really the training where we're going to teach that so much to people who have never done it. So we just ask that you've had experience holding space and experience working with the medicine. So if you have both of those and you're feeling called to support people in their microdosing practice, then please, you know, come. We'd love to have you. Microdosing is getting so popular And it is essential that there are practitioners out there who are well-trained and grounded in integrity, humility, love. You know, I've, I, I continue to see people 
offer this work now where I don't think it's aligned for them to be doing it. They either have zero medicine experience or maybe they had one one experience and now they're offering it. And that's not what we want. Like we don't want people here doing this for ego or feeling, you know, powerful. And so we do not care what degree you have or anything like if your heart is in the right place and you want to support people, please join. It would be, you know, such an honor. And so what, what does that look like, you know, coming out of that training? You know, I know obviously virtual support is so big right now, but you know, when someone finishes a training, what will they be prepared to do and feel more confident in doing? Yeah. So we will be giving you a certification after the training is completed, but it's important for me to say that, you know, this work is still not legal everywhere. So that's just a certification that we are giving you, but it doesn't mean that this is legal wherever you live. That being said, being a microdosing practitioner does not involve actually giving someone medicine. So it's perfectly legal to support others in this work. So, you know, we're going to encourage you to work after the training in any way that feels aligned for you. So if you prefer one-on-one work, go for it. You can do it in person. You could do it virtually. If you want to do couples work, group work, like you can create any container that feels aligned with you, your personal interests, you know, like you can combine medicine work and astrology, like (laughs) (laughs) infinite possibility. And you can really do this in any way that aligns with you. Amazing. I'm so happy for this training for you guys and for all of us too. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've, you remember the email I sent you originally. So like you had posted about the microdose training. <laughs> I saw it and immediately was talking to my boyfriend about it. At the same time, like Alyssa texts me and she's like, oh my God, did you see this? And then I was like, you know, I'm just going to email her the longest email I've ever emailed somebody and like ask all these questions. And then at the end, I was like, also, please come on our podcast because we oh, are just so interested in this. <laughs> I love receiving your email. So I'm so yeah. happy that you both reached out. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm so excited. Um, your couples work as a marriage and family therapist, I think I've just always had, you know, one of the co- one of the individuals that I've worked with for a little over a year now. I love working with them and their partner. And that is like they have just inspired me to work with couples. And so I'm so curious what that looks like in this setting using the medicine. Okay. Yeah. First of all, couples work is hard, you know? Like <laughs> it's and and people who are really like good at it, like that's a, an amazing gift to be like a couples therapist, an amazing gift. So I love that you're interested in that. I think that's so beautiful. <laughs> couples medicine work. Yeah. So we've held space for, you know, couples who are journeying together, who may be having problems, you know, maybe infidelity or just feeling disconnected or just wanting to reignite you know, the love between them. And so, wait, were you asking about full, full dose journeys? Yeah, either or, either microdosing or full dose or kind of whatever couples work you've done with them. Yeah, I guess this could go for either uh, microdosing or full dose. It's just, you know, we would meet with them once to discuss like what's going on, what's your intention, what you want to get out of this, just so we could get to know them a bit more. And then if you're microdosing, you'll meet with them consistently. If it's a full dose journey, you'll, you'll sit with them that one day. And then, you know, after a full dose journey, we'll integrate and, you know, help them 
use the experience to improve their relationship and to really implement the wisdom of the experience into their daily lives. And so, yeah, you could absolutely have a couple's container for microdosing. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, to have everyone. It. It's like a, a it's like a container for couples work, but with the added huge benefit of the medicine. So I yeah. love that. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. <laughs> my brain is now firing too, based off of what you said, because um, in February, I'm starting a somatic attachment therapy training. And oh, so wow. incorporating that with this too, I feel like could be incredible. So you and I will have oh, to pick yeah. each other's brains <laughs> once I'm through that yeah. training too. <laughs> somatic work goes beautifully with psychedelic work. In so many of the trainings now that you'll see for therapists, they include some of them have like a somatic aspect. And in our microdosing training, we have a somatic practitioner coming to give a 90-minute lecture all about trauma and how to implement somatic practices and to work with clients because it's so important. So much comes up with the medicine and some of it can be really challenging or even if it's not challenging. It's just so much comes up and to have these practices to really help us be in the body and work with the body, it's so, so helpful and it supports the process of integration like so greatly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that would be amazing. Yeah. You could put all of it together (laughs) for sure. Yeah. Well, especially too, I think, you know, I have training in like yoga and Reiki and that for me has been something in my own healing journey that has been so profound because I'm so in my head all the time. And I think when you think about talk therapy, it's so there's so much in your head, but sometimes you don't need the answers. You don't need to understand and build that insight. You just need to communicate with your body and release things from your body. And I think integrating, like you said, all of that is so important to just full being healing, you know? Yes, 100%. Yeah, bring the body in whenever possible. It's amazing that you're going to do that training. Yes, I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah. Brooke, like, is there anything else that you want to talk about? And then we'll just get into curiosity. I'll just share one more thing because sometimes I worry that I spoke about like the challenges that can arise in medicine work too much. And I just want anyone listening to know that this work can be so beautiful. Usually after a medicine journey, I'm like, I don't want this to end. You know, I may have been so nervous to get there. And then once it's there and it's about to end, I'm like, I don't want this to end. The medicine space, whether you're microdosing, macrodosing, it's so beautiful. There's so much love there. And it's not that the medicine is giving us anything that is not already within us, but it's just helping us to uncover the truth of who we are. And so if you're feeling called to this work in any way, go for it because there's something calling to you here and there's something, you know, here for you. Thank you. So, you know, we always like to end, we talk about curiosity. It's the one of our main pillars here at the moon in your mind. And so, you know, what are you currently curious about and why do you think curiosity is important and how do you cultivate it in yourself and your life? Yeah. It's a loaded question. I love so. that. No, it's so good. <laughs> Both of you ask questions that nobody ever asks me and this has just been such a wonderful conversation. Oh. So thank you. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yay. So. <laughs> so I would say curiosity is so important because it helps us evolve. And I feel like the the reason we're all here is to, you know, evolve, to grow, heal, grow, evolve, whatever word you like. 
and to really return to to truth, to love. And so curiosity, I feel, gets us moving forward on that journey. And something I'm curious about is astrology, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) I've been studying for almost a year now, or yeah, almost a year now. And I feel like I know so little. (laughs) And it's just so complex. It really like Mm -hmm. stretches my, my mind. Like I'm, I'm at a part now in my learning where it's feeling pretty complicated. And so (laughs) I am very curious to learn more. I, I think astrology is absolutely divine and such an important tool on our path of evolution. And so I want to learn more, but I'm trying to be very patient and loving with myself through the confusion. Yes. Yeah. I feel like with astrology, so I've been doing it for a few years and yeah, I feel like it's still, I'm constantly, every time I read something or talk to somebody, I'm like, oh crap. Like I wish I knew that I can't wait to be an expert. And yeah, but it's all about, you just have to take it at our own pace and you'll learn things like, as I've found, you'll learn things as they come, you know, you hear about them at the right time. And then you get to look into it when it's time for you to understand it or, you know, I don't know if you're ever planning or want to do readings, but something I heard once was doing readings, you'll never be given a reading that you can't do. Like, so I was so nervous getting into readings because I was like, oh my God, what if somebody comes to me? I can't help them. This is out of my depth. And I mean, so far, knock on wood, (laughs) it's been true that like some of them have been challenging, but there has not been one where I was not equipped to actually do it. And the readings have been honestly, like getting tougher and tougher. Like I get different people in who with things that I've never experienced before. And like, so every single one is a learning experience. And um, so, yeah, I feel astrology is a little bit magical in that way too. Oh yeah. So magical. I think it's amazing you do readings and I don't think I'll be doing readings, but I more just want to understand the astrology of the, of the day or, you know, the present mm-hmm. time for me and loved ones so that I can, my, my ego really likes to block me from growing. <laughs> and so <laughs> I feel like astrology helps me understand like, okay, I'm being asked to do this right now. So let me do it mm-hmm. so that I can grow and not have to incarnate a million more times. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's an amazing, magical tool. So magical. And it's the eclipse today, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a big day. Yeah. Big day for yeah. us. <laughs> I like how you said the ego blocks you where it's like curiosity is telling us to like continue to evolving. And like, we're never going to know it all, right? There's always going to be more to learn, but our ego wants it there to be like an expert level at like a certain point so I can like know it and be powerful and whatnot. But that's when we bring in curiosity. Yes. I love that. It's so true. Yeah. The ego wants everything controlled and labeled and like perfectly neat in a box. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. The curiosity. I love that. I love that you speak about this on the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate that. So anything else that you want to share? Where can people find you? You know, what's coming up for you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Axis Mundi Ceremony. And then our website is AxisMundiCeremony.com. And yeah, I run this with my partner, Michael. So we're always here. If you need anything, reach out. Medicine work can help you transform your life, but it's so important to have support and just to just do this work in an intentional way if you're really wanting to heal and grow. So yeah, we're always here for you. 
Thank you. So this was amazing. We can't thank you enough. It's yes. been such an honor to have you on. So thank you. Thank you, you both so thank much you. for having me. It was an honor. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to this special episode. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at The Moon in Your Mind and sign up for our newsletter by visiting themooninyourmind.com. See you next time. Mm-hmm.